good afternoon and welcome to your DIY health here on the Spreaker radio network and simulcasting on free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Monday, September 25th, 2023. And this program is meant to present nat- natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. When you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Then visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself health h-e-a-l-t-h your diy health.com and there's all kinds of information there all the products we talk about are there including the itera care device which is featured prominently at the top of the home page and um, there's lots of information about that uh, we have uh, downloadable flyers and brochures a link to a youtube playlist with over 140 videos on it talking about the technology how it's used and testimonials from people all over the world have had life-changing results using these things and uh, of course there's a link to the dedicated website for the device which um, has even more information more testimonials and the order now button and um, they were running a end of summer special that had been extended um through yesterday i have not heard whether or not has it if it's been expended any further i actually had somebody send me an order last night about nine o'clock uh got in at the last minute <laughs> and got her two ones for five hundred dollars um i'm assuming it has ended i'm looking at some of the other uh uh, stockist websites to see if they've updated or anything like that and they're still showing the 24th as the final date so apparently it has finally uh, ended but uh, if that changes i'll let you know but uh, still 380 dollars a piece delivered to your door within two to three days is a great deal and i encourage people to get them while you can uh, the political climate and everything else that's going on in this country in this world you never know when the supply chain is going to dry it up and you're not going to be able to get these things and there are going to be a lot of people left out in the cold wishing they had ordered sooner so why not do it now while you can but anyway um just wanted to get that information out there um check out the website uh the, the hit the radio shows tab at the top of the page is the link to the archive excuse me the archive page set up through castbox.fm and there's probably 1300 or more uh, shows up there now and that's just since uh, i think about 2018 19 somewhere now around there but um you know we've been doing the show since 2015 so there's even more but anyway um there's at least uh, 1300 shows up there pretty close to it and then of course if you scroll down a little further you'll see the information on the shows we do when they're on and how you listen and um, then at the bottom of the page is a link to the uh, facebook page set up for the show as well as the telegram channel so uh, lots of great information the only thing you pay for is the products that you buy all the information is free we encourage you to check it out and share it and just have fun 
Keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, free conference call, their owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That being said, we're going to jump right into it. I see uh, John is on the board, so uh, good afternoon, John. Welcome to the show, and how's everything going? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was really good. Hey, we, uh, great. we had a fantastic meeting at the uh, at the park. We're capable of bridging in phone calls now, so from some people that we want to hear from, oh. um, we uh, are now doing phone bridges, and it worked really, really well. This guy, Trennis, was kind of attacked and sucked into the um, the J6 stuff. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing, I sent you the audio uh, so we could listen to it today. I think it's pretty important. Okay. People were listening to this, and, you know, nobody was talking. Wow. Um, I didn't know exactly who this guy was or what his story was, but his story is unbelievably horrendous. Mm-hmm. So he's been fighting back and formed an organization called Condemned USA, uh, and they, he, he gets uh, donations and from just ordinary people to defend these people and himself. Uh, it's amazing. So I don't know that we need to go through a bunch of testimonials today. The testimonials from Pryfe were pretty good, the ones that they did, but they're about 29 minutes or 20 minutes long. And this is about an hour and 45 minutes. But I got a chance at the end there to kind of tell him why he's having such a problem with the government just running over him and walking over him because of his status. Uh, he doesn't know much about that stuff, and uh, anyway, he's, he's kind of listening now a little bit. They got to get they they need some kind of remedy, you know. But what they really need is money to pay lawyers that are actually fighting back and and winning some of their cases. But he's still under uh, his own sanctions that he's dealing with. Wow, it's quite a story. Well, I guess. Well, I've got it queued up here. If you want, we'll go ahead and play it. Well, we do that, and then if we got time, uh, we can go over some of these uh, testimonies. Okay, here we go. Okay, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for showing up to today's People's Rights meeting. Uh, your presence is welcomed, and uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, for those of you that are new to People's Rights, I just wanted to say real quickly what we're all about. We're about uh, protecting and defending our rights as a group, because in many cases, the authorities are not doing that. They're not doing their job, and so we formed people's rights so that we could come together and help each other in times of need when our rights are being violated. So in a situation where maybe it's the police themselves that are violating your rights, who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to call? That's on our website, by the way. Who are you going to call? Just like the Ghostbusters, right? Who are you going to call? if the police are the ones doing the rights violating. So the answer to that is you call people's rights. Um, We've had many successful interventions. We're strictly nonviolent, first of all. Wanted to make that really clear. Uh, Even though the Atlantic Magazine calls us the Uber of militias, we're not really a militia. What we are is just... uh, friends and family members almost 
at this point that uh, will come to each other's aid in time of need. So that's what we're all about. But uh, today, we're going to have a speaker uh, calling in remotely from another state. And uh, our speaker today is the founder of CondemnedUSA.com. So that's CondemnedUSA.com. And um, Trennis Evans is going to be talking to us today about the plight of the January Sixers. And uh, Trennis has been involved in quite a few documentaries already at this point. And uh, so Trennis has called in remotely. And I don't know, uh, can you hear me, Trennis? I can hear you. How's our sound quality? Oh, good. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds great. So I'm going to turn the floor over to Trennis Evans. And uh, you've got a live audience here, Trennis. And uh, go ahead and. Start us off with what you've got to say. Thanks a lot, Trennis. Well, thank you. And first, I think it's beautiful that you have put together a group of people and a potential solution for intervention into the abuse of rights of American citizens, i.e. upholding the United States Constitution as it should be. So... And I'd like to say hi to whoever the members of the FBI are in the crowd there. <laughs> Welcome to the event. Hopefully you gain some knowledge and an understanding of the United States Constitution as well. At any rate, uh, for those of you that don't know me and are not familiar with my work, I'm aligned with you in the nonviolent scenario. I was present on January 6th. And... On January 6th, I was a person on a megaphone who is plainly seen in numerous videos saying, don't harm the police, don't damage the building. This is a peaceful demonstration. I had people ask, well, but after what you saw happen there, how can you say that? Well, I didn't see the violence occur because I was still watching a speech given by President Trump down at the Ellipse. I arrived at the Capitol and there were people on the balcony, there were people on the bleachers, there were people coming and going from the building. I never saw a sign that said, uh, you know, uh, like many people, that specifically said, don't enter. I agree that those signs existed because the government said they did. Um, and those signs did exist, but people had torn them down. And I don't think all of those people were necessarily Trump supporters, and I can't say who they were or who they weren't for with certainty, but I do know that many people never saw said sign. Uh, to go a little further, after uh, the event of January 6th, the FBI arrived at my home on January 17th. I was on the front lawn doing something and I saw him coming down my stone walkway. She didn't know they were the FBI. It was two plainclothes officers. As a matter of fact, I thought they were uh, local parishioners or the Jehovah's Witness or something of that nature coming to our magazine salespeople. Who knew? And uh, when they arrived, I quickly told them, whatever it is you're selling or whatever it is you're doing, I'm not interested. Thank you. And then they introduced themselves as the FBI agent. And I thought to myself, boy, I really don't want whatever it is you're selling now. So cancel my subscription, right? 
So, uh, at any rate, they came on down the walk and I welcomed them down and we had a discussion. They said, are you Trina Sevens? And I said, I am. And uh, they said, well, I guess, you know, that we're here you, you know, present at the Capitol on January 6th. And I said, yes, I was present. I have video evidence showing that I never damaged anything. I never uh, committed any act of violence. And I spoke out against those things. And I have the video of the whole thing. And uh, we had a long conversation on my front lawn. And I said, look, uh, there's children here. You know, I have a 13-year-old boy. And there's also boys and girls here playing. We live on a golf course down at the lake. And I said, there's kids that playing in the lake, and there's, I, I don't, we can't leave these kids unattended without, you know, managing them. So I need to get in touch with some parents, let them know that there's not going to be an adult here if you're arresting me. Oh, no, sir, we're not arresting you. We just came to talk to you. I said, okay, well, I was there, so now what? Am I getting arrested? <laughs> you know, long story short, they ended up leaving. We shook hands. It was a very amicable conversation, and away they went. And I did tell him I had an attorney. I said, I'd invite you in. We'd have a long conversation all about it. And I'd show you all the video. But if we're going to talk about this, I want to have an attorney present. Because we're watching what's happening here with the Biden administration and the weaponized DOJ and the discussion, how they're talking. And I'm not comfortable. So uh, they understood that. And they said, you had the fluency in your right. We appreciate that. And we'll get in touch with your counsel. So my attorney was continually calling them a couple of times a week. And I was uh, waiting, you know, kind of bated breath, like, what are they saying? Are they going to tell me to come turn myself in or what have you? Well, uh, this went on for over a month. Remember, that was January 17th. And then my father-in-law, who was a chief of police here at a local municipality in San Antonio, had passed away on the 28th of February. On March the 4th, we were supposed to be going to the viewing of the body. And then we had the subsequent funeral that weekend. I was sitting in my office in front of my office and looked out over our front lawn and I was having coffee and my son had just gone to school and was getting on the bus unusually, but with a lot going on that day, we just didn't have time to take him to school. To which I saw my camera go off, my dog started barking and a SWAT team was spreading out across my lawn. It was the Joint Terrorism Task Force I didn't know they weren't announcing themselves, but a battering ram was coming from my front door and heavily armed individuals were crawling all over my property. And I could see at least a dozen of them in my view. And then on cameras and around from my office, I was able to see that there was another dozen or so coming down each side of the house. It was a rather horrific scene and I ran from my front door you know, I have a glass front door with my hands up through the door saying, you don't need the battering ram. Nobody's, you don't need the flashbangs. I don't need all that. I'm, you know, peaceful. I'm coming out. And um, please don't shoot my dog. So give us time to put them away. And uh, we have another child in the house. And my wife's here. And they were screaming, Who, who's in the house? Who's in the house? And, you know, it's kind of a hectic situation. You can watch the video. And uh, things calmed down once I came outside. And, um, and then my wife came out, and we found my child at gunpoint on my front porch, 13 years old, on his way to school. So I decided then that 
I don't think I can ever be friends with this corrupt government again. I support the United States of America, and I love this country, like probably all or many of you, I would rather suspect. But I also understand that this is a constitutional republic, not just any republic, a constitutional republic, as I'm sure you're aware. The Constitution strictly forbids the kinds of things that we're experiencing as Americans today in so many ways. We've written laws and we've allowed our, them to write laws and rules and procedures to write themselves around the Constitution. We haven't experienced a suspension of habeas corpus since the Lincoln days. And here we are again where we've experienced that. We watched COVID lockdowns, we watched mask mandates, we watched vaccine passports and the idea of travel not permitted based on an emergency. I think it's indisputable that many people were harmed or injured by COVID and possibly many more by the events that of the vaccine. But we're not here to discuss vaccines and COVID necessarily. I'm an expert on January 6th. Many other people seem to have that realm well under control. January 6th, your fellow Americans, your grandmothers, your neighbors, your friends, people took strollers and children, and we were present demonstrating, which should be First Amendment protected speech on the Capitol lawn when police began firing munitions, flashbang grenades into the midst of a crowd. Gave him nowhere to go. There was no proper egress route. No one was afforded the opportunity to leave before these munitions came raining down. And then the rubber bullets began, fired from a height against the directive for those munitions. Those munitions are designed to be less than lethal munitions. However, when you fire them from a height into a crowd shoulder to shoulder, those become lethal munitions because you can kill somebody with them. They killed Kevin Greeson with a flashbang. Flashbang grenades are known to stop your heart, blow off limbs. It's everything that a great, your typical grenade or a frag grenade would be capable of, but it's designed with a different purpose on its outer shell, so you still have the explosive concussive piece. And that's what happened to Kevin Greeson. At one time, we thought that's what happened to Benjamin Phillips, but Benjamin Phillips appears to have had a heart attack upon arrival at Capitol grounds. Maybe the sight of what he was witnessing was a, much, a bit much to bear, I can't say. However, for those of you that are aware of what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, you saw a gentleman named Michael Leroy Bird shoot an unarmed Ashley Babbitt, who he was punched the guy named Zach Alam in the face who was trying to bust out the window. And you saw, if you haven't seen, you need to go to my site and look and go to Stop Hate and other sites and look. You saw Lila Morris viciously beat an unconscious, not moving Roseanne Boylan with a walking stick. You saw Victoria White beaten in the head 38 times in less than a minute with a baton by Officer Bagshaw when she's pressed in by a crowd with nowhere to go. These are cases of lethal force being used on unarmed demonstrators. 
And I know that the media told you there was an armed protest and insurrection. But the media has told us a lot. And if I look around the room and I ask a group of people, do you trust the media? The answer is no. Ask the group of people, do you trust the government? The answer is no. And this applies to both Republicans, Democrats, pundits, nonpartisans. People in this country have grown up long, know well enough not to trust the media. But sadly, we're all guilty of when the media says something we like, we all use it as a reference and say, see, look there. Look, that's something. See, right there, they said it. We give the credit to the incredulous. We give the credit to those who have no credibility by utilizing that ideology. And as a practice, we should stop. But recognize in the events of January 6th, there's far more disturbing things to understand about what happened there that day. That outside of the deaths, we had Capitol Police officers who were largely outnumbered, didn't really know what to do, and acted outside of common sense. But we had the Metropolitan Police Department with its long history of violence called out by its own citizenry and citizen council and city council members calling against the violence of the MPD. As a matter of fact, the MPD is the ninth most violent police department in the country. And that's odd when it's only 700,000 people, when you have cities with multiple millions of people. But D.C. is the ninth most violent police department in the country. They send their police to train, their leadership to train with Israeli police forces, which are militarized police forces. And they use more munitions per capita than any other police force on the, on the, in our country. When you recognize the nature of how the Metropolitan Police Department's own citizens find it to be, and own government officials, mayors, city councils, etc., it's easy to wonder how it is that why would it be different suddenly? You mean to tell me police department that operate with a will that is despised by its own citizens day in and day out, year in and year out, suddenly rose from the depths of the whale shit that they are to be the most amazing and incredible brave souls of our nation for one single day, yet they returned back to their slimy depths since then by ongoing news reports from once again their own citizens isn't that odd don't you find it odd not only that but for those of you that still question and go yeah i saw what i saw on tv so ask yourself how much footage you've actually seen and how long did you see that footage for you saw some sustained fighting that went on for hours and hours and hours? You saw pockets of violence, small pockets of violence in a crowd of 1.4 to 1.7 million people present in D.C. that day. Did you see potentially agitators? Did you see people that might have been being run by the government, operations of the government? Did you see potentially people that were undercover police urging people forward? Sounds rather incredible, a story like that. Well, I challenge you to look no further than my Twitter account for those videos. 
or my Condemned USA site or David Summerall at StopHate.com. These things existed. We have the video proof showing that. Officers undercover urging people to move forward. Officers undercover urging people to move inside. Matter of fact, some of those officers are only a few feet from Ashley Babbitt outside. And don't you find something else strange? The most armed populace on the face of the planet, the most armed populace on the face of the planet went to overthrow the federal government with plastic flagpoles and megaphones. The most powerful militant force, military force on the face of the planet. And you're going to square off against them with plastic flagpoles? Something's wrong with this equation and the idea of insurrection. Did those people want to gain access to that building? Did they want access? Did they want to be inside? Did they have something to stay? I think they did. Things that would be protected by the First Amendment. The idea that they wanted to be heard. They wanted their legislatures to take action. They wanted their voices to be heard. Now, I agree that some people committed crimes that you should go to prison for. And if I were a juror for some of those people, I would find them guilty. I don't deny criminality occurred. I don't deny that people assaulted law enforcement that day, shamefully in many cases. However, for the you guys being in California to where I once lived, both in Northern and Southern California, I lived up around Colfax for some time. I used to guide the American rivers, kayak and whitewater rafting, climbing and many other outdoor activities. And I surfed and I lived in Southern California at some time in my life, in my younger years. And I just happened to be present living around LA, actually Fullerton, California at that time. And I witnessed the aftermath of the Rodney King beating. I was present watching the L.A. riots, being dumb teenagers. We were jumped in a Ranger truck and rode down to see what was happening when all the fires started. Rodney King-style beating. Don't you have a responsibility to attempt to stop something like that, something so horrific? I'm telling you that those type of events happened on January 6th and they spurred many people into action. Did you know that 72% of the people that are detained, that were indefinitely detained prior to trial, were law enforcement and veterans, men and women? Interesting that people of the United States that took an oath to uphold and defend the United States Constitution and knew the abuse of power laws and what you can and can't do when you're wearing a badge. And they attempted to stop people from beating people. And let me paint a picture for you. There's a line of riot shields pushing forward and you're trampling someone and you're beating someone and they know that it's illegal and a police officer runs forward and says, stop, stop. What are you doing? You're killing people and puts their hand on a shield, hand on a shield and charged for an assault for every shield they touched. Assault, that's an assault in this United States. An armored police officer in riot gear with a riot shield and you place your hand on the shield telling them to stop. 
and that's an assault. Somebody find the reason in that for me. Yet these people, you that there's a gentleman named, uh, well, let's not tell you what, I'll leave the names. There's a gentleman that passed forward a can of pepper spray. There were people that were spraying police with pepper spray. I don't think that's acceptable, but they were doing it. And this gentleman passed forward a can of pepper spray. He didn't actually spray any police officers or take any part of it. And he's housed in a maximum security facility now where he's doing 14 years for passing forward a can of pepper spray. 14 years. He's housed in a block with murderers and rapists who are doing eight years and five years and so forth. Can you imagine being housed on a block of violent people, the worst the country has to offer, murderers and rapists, that are doing less half or less than half the time that you're about to do for passing forth a can of pepper spray? I'm not justifying his action, but I'm pointing out to you the duplicitous of the law and how disgusting this is. What an abhorrent failure of our criminal justice system you're witnessing in Washington, D.C., they turned me into an activist. I was never an activist. I was never interested. I kept my head down. I paid my taxes and felt like you could never fight City Hall. And then COVID came. And then January 6th, after you stole an election. And they can now call me a radical, violent, domestic extremist. Yet, I've never committed an act of violence. I wasn't charged with an act of violence. I never was even charged with so much as removal of a paper clip or spitting on the ground. My crime, my high crime that I was that I uh, took the plea deal for was knowingly entering and remaining in a restricted building. I have criminal history of zero. No criminal history. I'm 48 years old family man. Let me explain to you how this has worked since. Interestingly enough, after my arrest on March 4th, I was able to bond in Texas. The judge here decided that I didn't need to be held in uh, pre-trial. He said, Mr. Evans, go home. If you miss any court dates, it'll be $10,000 and you'll be back before me. So I was released on what's called an own recognizance or personal recognizance, depending on what state you're in. I went home to an absolute mayhem of a life newsweek put me on the cover as the fireball guy fireball insurrectionist the local media ran stories about me talking about all the horrible insurrection that i was involved in engaged in and talked about the violence the violence violence and nobody ever bothered to tell anyone that it was on the record that i didn't destroy a damn thing or harm anyone and our wonderful media carried out these stories across the nation. I had a loss of business. Children were told that they're not allowed to play with my kids anymore, kids that had been staples in our home for years and years. And I even had some people that said, listen, we're with you. We know you, we know you well enough to know you didn't do anything wrong. I've seen your videos. I'm sorry, I don't want Johnny to be at your house in case the FBI sends another SWAT team. We were the hub. We have a house on the lake and on the golf course, and there was kids here nonstop. And all of a sudden, we had an empty, almost like an empty nest.
Our children's friends had abandoned them for the most part. People treated my wife differently at work. My company was trying to figure out how to get rid of me, but our uh, HR policies said moral turpitude was the was the uh, benchmark, and that, that none of the crimes I was charged with met the test of moral turpitude. But the media went hard to work on destroying me, and as did our government. Interestingly enough, the January 6th Select Committee came to be. Many of you remember those fun, fine folks. Benny Thompson, Pete Aguilar, Liz Cheney, Stephanie Murphy, Jamie Raskin, Zoe Lofgren, Adam Schiff, uh, Elena uh, Laurie, what was her name? Laurie. Uh, and Benny Thompson, that fine individual, led that committee, that supposedly nonpartisan committee, and delivered the truth. I now give you the facts of the American people of the events of January 6th and played this video that they spent $8 million of your taxpayer money making to which they fraudulently altered timestamps, the order of event, and made a literal Hollywood-style theatrical lie and entered it into the record in Congress. Well, I wasn't very happy about that because they used my name and my picture and a video of me reading President Trump's orders to remain peaceful and to disperse, etc. Twitter, his Twitter account that he borrowed Dan Scavino. And I was standing on the Capitol steps and I read those Twitter statements to the crowd over my megaphone. For those of you who may remember, I was the guy in the yellow beanie with the blue megaphone. And reading these statements to the crowd, interestingly enough, the news media and the federal government only picked up on one part of what was a seven part, seven paragraphs of wording, to which the only original thing that I said was, I don't support looting. I don't support violence. I support a peaceful protest to put them on notice that we, the people, demand justice. I think that that's consistent with the United States Constitution. Last time I checked. However, the January 6th Select Committee only played the little piece out of there that said Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. And then they played into these clips of people saying, hang Mike Pence and all this other nonsense. And yes, people chanted nasty things. Interestingly enough, I had to file a Fifth Circuit case. And we went after the select committee, to which at that time they stopped using my video and removed it from their future airings. But the damage had been done. 24 million people watched that video live. And the saturation rate on that video was estimated to have hit over 80 million people. Sadly, According to the Democrats and according to many others and non-pundits and even Republicans to this day and age, I'm still the guy that was leading the insurrection with a megaphone by trying to gin up the crowd to hang Mike Pence. And all that never happened, and it was a lie. Proudly, I was so upset, I began defending other January 6th defendants in the midst of my own case. And we started delivering the truth. 
you got sick of it. And people say, what can one person do? Well, let me tell you what one person can do. And now these days, I'm not one person. We're an entire team of people. But it started with one person. One person that had had enough. One person that said we can't be friends anymore. One person that was tired of the lie. One person whose life they attempted to destroy. And I stood up against them. And I stood up against their lie. And I started speaking. And let me tell you about... April and May and June trying to speak at events, places. Conservatives, Republicans, wherever they were, different groups, Tea Party-like groups, if you will, groups like yours. We'd have two-thirds of the people to one-third of the people get up and walk out when they introduced me. Literally get up and walk out. And the remainder would sit there mostly with their arms crossed, pissed off, thinking, what is this guy talking here for? Why are we letting one of these dirty insurrectionists talk? And that was a reality, because people who knew better and should have known better than to trust a media and a government that's long been corrupted with anything, trusted it with the stories and the faith of their American citizens. It's a weird thing to be a man on an island, a man with no country. I understand the meaning now because so many people abandoned all of us and thought we were horrific. And even some that were sympathetic, they still weren't offering us jobs. They still weren't doing business with us. They sure as hell weren't helping us. And you called attorneys and you would call attorney after attorney after attorney trying to find attorneys for people in their area. There was times where I called 100 attorneys before I could even get anyone to talk to us about a January 6th case. No kidding. Can you imagine? People that defend rapists, murderers, arsonists, whatever, carjackers, wouldn't defend grandma that walked around with a flagpole inside the Capitol. They weren't taking January 6th cases. Rather horrific time we live in at that moment. So we got to work getting people connected to attorneys. We found attorneys, and I would just keep piling more on more attorneys. And it was a very difficult job to hear January 6th defendant after defendant after defendant after defendant or their family member or the crying wife or mother while their son or daughter or husband or aunt or somebody was locked up, sitting in solitary confinement, being denied religious services, being denied religious services, being denied in-person visitation. Mind you, Charles Manson is in, entitled to in-person visitation. These people were treated like terrorists. They used the Joint Terrorism Task Force to arrest us all. They used and weaponized this federal government to chase down these people. You saw what they did to pastors who kept their churches open. And you thought that was insane. And now you saw this. What will you see next? Well, that largely depends on you. Will you comply? Will you? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> I don't think you're going to comply. We can be peaceful and not comply. But there's answers to that. and We'll talk more about it. What comes next in this country is up to the citizens of this country. I want to explain something else to you now that I know where your head is. 
in August of 2021 while I was awaiting my trial. I captured a federal human trafficking fugitive for child trafficking that escaped from federal prison. Now that's a rather wild story, a guy's telling you that you don't know that you can't look in my eyes and see if I'm being truthful. As a matter of fact, I was telling that same story to the judge because the U.S. Marshals seemed to have amnesia, some kind of a memory loss, when I went to hearing my hearing pre-trial. I was a little disturbed by the idea that they couldn't seem to remember that I captured a federal human trafficking fugitive for them that escaped from prison for child trafficking, child endangerment. I thought that was rather incredible. As a matter of fact, I was at one time cautioned by the court that lying to a federal judge was a whole separate charge and I wouldn't be looked on favorably. While the DOJ, the U.S. Marshals, sat on their hands in quiet denial of the fact that this had happened. Imagine my new frustration. You would think that that would be helpful to one in their case, like when it comes time for sentencing, right? You decide, wow, that somebody, you know, if you're a part of the mob and you, uh, you know, you have rat on old Bugsy over here, you usually get some leniency. Well, I wasn't a part of any child human trafficking ring. I had nothing to do with these people. I didn't know these people. It's a long story, and I don't really have time to get into it in this format, but to check my facts, you can look that it's filed on the record in my case. That's CR-21-225. Washington, D.C. Federal District Court 1. This matter is a matter now of fact and record. Supposedly, the DOJ, good news, has opened an investigation into that matter. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Uh, I can count on that. I'm sure they'll do a fantastic job of getting to the bottom of how that slipped through the cracks. As a matter of fact, I have an email from them that we received at 8.05 a.m., the morning before not one, but my second sentencing. And you might ask, what crimes did you commit? You had two sentencings. Well, let me explain to you. And my first sentencing, the judge started down this path saying that the only patriots that were present on January 6th, heroes and patriots present on January 6th were the MPD and Capitol Police. I quickly interrupted and said, no, your honor, that's incorrect. If the court's a place of the truth, we can't allow these false statements to be entered into the record. Federal judges, just to note, I, I wasn't really aware of how it all worked, but federal judges are not happy to be interrupted and correct, certainly not corrected. They don't seem to like that. I, I got, At least that was my understanding of the situation as it was going on. So the judge didn't like that statement and challenged me on the statement. And she says, Mr. Evans, you're suggesting that the people were be the heroes and patriots. And I said, I am. She wasn't very happy with that because she thought she was about to do whatever she was going to do and slam her gavel and I was going to be whisked away to prison. To which point we got into a debate. Well, the debate went on about 13 minutes and she said, I don't have time for this today. I have other sentencing. I have other things. I did not allot the amount of time that this is taking. Mr. Evans, how soon can you get me this so-called proof that you have? And I told her I'd have it to her before the week was out. She accepted, and away we went. 
I delivered a 43-minute video to the court, which you're welcome to go and watch, showing the videos of patriots and heroes that day, rendering aid, CPR, dragging people away from police who were beating them. I delivered the videos of Roseanne Boylan and Ashley Babbitt. And I put these videos on record in the court. And the mother of Ashley Babbitt was in the courtroom and another mother named, or wife named Nicole Reffitt. Now you may remember the case of Guy Reffitt, one of the earlies. He was sentenced to seven years. And when I walked away from that bench and turned out that day from that first sentencing, which was adjourned, they were crying and hugging me and saying, you're the first person to come here and deliver that kind of truth. No one else has done that. No one else has stood up for the people. No one else has had the courage to say what needed to be said. And I'm sad that we haven't seen it, even from my own family member. I heard a lot of tough talk before standing before the judge. And I wasn't talking tough. I knew exactly what had to be done. What happened to me was secondary compared to what might happen to my children, your children, and future generations. Those that have a difficulty placing others before themselves and it's their own children, I don't understand. And those are seemingly the same people that show up in SWAT teams shoveling the coal on the train for Auschwitz, as we might call it, carrying out and doing the bidding and the dirty work of the federal government, this federal government. Instead of standing down and saying, no, I won't do this anymore, as some of the brave FBI agents have done. Some have quietly retired, some have resigned, but some have stood up and said no and become whistleblowers. So whichever one of you there in the crowd that's there surveilling these fine people Maybe it's time for you to consider being a whistleblower. Oh, look left and look right. They're there somewhere. You don't assemble a group like yours and not be watched. I know that they listen and watch, and I'm okay with that because I'm not saying doing anything that I haven't already said to the judge. At my next sentencing hearing, I spoke for an hour and 53 minutes straight. And if you think I delivered facts and evidence the first time in the first 43-minute video in the first 13 minutes I spoke, you have no idea what came next. A bludgeoning of facts and proof that I captured a federal human trafficking fugitive, to which they sealed. And it's since been unsealed, and it's now open on the record. And I urge you again, case CR, that's Charlie Romeo, dash 21, dash 225, for those of you who know how to use PACER. If not, it's rather simple. It's much more difficult to learn to sign up for Facebook than it is to get a PACER account and look up that case number and read the latest filing. Sworn affidavit in a court of law for a man that's on currently sitting on probation after serving prison time for the events of January 6th. Now, interestingly enough, what you might wonder is you, you're not known, I should say. If you lie or break the law or submit false testimony, that's five years for perjury. Not only that, but for me, it would be much worse because I'm already on probation. So I can't do that. 
and is sworn in a court of law and the very same judge in front of the very same judge. And interestingly enough, they know that it's a criminal act for somebody to sweep this under the rug. But do you think that there was a referral for the assistant United States attorney responsible for this? Do you think they were referred to the DOJ? And if they were, what do you think will happen or has happened? To date, nothing. Valentini is still practicing law and prosecuting January 6th cases. But that's okay. It's status quo for the DOJ. Let me explain to you. Many of you have heard of Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn. So for those of you who don't know, you may have seen us, uh, seen me on Clay Clark's stages speaking at General Flynn's events. General Flynn, there was a prosecutor in AUSA, Assistant United States Attorney, that carried false, the, the false evidence forward that caused General Michael Flynn to be convicted in front of Judge Emmett Sullivan. By the way, Judge Emmett Sullivan still has a 1030 tea time every Saturday with Eric Holder. If that doesn't disturb you, I don't know. At any rate, her name was Jocelyn Valentine. That's the person that was responsible for General Flynn going to prison. Jocelyn Valentine should have lost her law license for what happened there, knowingly carrying false evidence into the court, having a man's life destroyed, depriving a person or an individual of their constitutional rights, liberties and freedoms. However, Jocelyn Valentine, you would think by now she'd be, you know, working at 7-Eleven. But that's not the case. Jocelyn Valentine is now the chief prosecuting attorney for the January 6th cases. Did you hear that? She's got a promotion. She's getting to run the biggest criminal trials in history. As a matter of fact, we encountered her in the Proud Boys trial. So my legal advocacy condemned USA, I got a call in August of 21 from Stuart Rhodes, and he said, I need help. For those of you who don't know Stuart Rhodes, Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, and he needed a counsel. He had found counsel, someone had paid for them, and it didn't turn out that they were doing such a great job. So he contacted me and condemned USA, and we began rendering aid helping him locate new counsel within our group of attorneys who had grown quite a bit by then, substantial network. And we had a Zoom meeting and he picked, he selected an attorney that I met at CPAC named Mr. Tarpley. And then Tarpley was set on the back burner by Linder and Bright, who Judge Meta wouldn't let be off of his case. Imagine that, you're months before your trial, you've had a falling out, irreconcilable differences, if you will, Stuart Rhodes, being an Ivy League-educated attorney himself, for many people don't know, was citing to the judge that he had lost all faith in his counsel and there was no communication and they weren't working on his case and they weren't filing the motion he wanted filed. And he was telling them it was ineffective assistance of counsel. And he wanted new counsel, which he had found Mr. Tarpley and was okay with him working with our group, getting up to speed, getting on the case, and taking over months before his trial, to which he was denied. Judge Mehta forced him to keep Linder and Bright. Linder and Bright kept the reins and sat Mr. Tarpley in the corner. 
And that was how it went, and Stuart Rhodes was inevitably convicted of seditious conspiracy. There was no seditious conspiracy on January 6th by anyone that's been convicted of it for certain. How do I know that? Well, I was still involved in the Oath Keepers trial and all the discovery and all the evidence and all the information. Interestingly enough, it wasn't far much later that I got a call from another attorney that needed in the Proud Boys case. So that was five gentlemen, as you've recently seen, and Dominic Pozzola being one of those defendants was who we helped. Interestingly enough, Dominic Pozzola was the only person to not be convicted of seditious conspiracy, while the other defense counsels from the other members of the Proud Boys this were dismissive of my work as if it were some kind of conspiracy theory that there surely were not federal agents in the crowd that there surely were not agents and MPD and all these different people and Department of Homeland Security, HSI unit individuals running in there with un all the books operations. And how could you ever find something like that out? I don't know. Maybe you ought to get some. Maybe they should get some new allies because I have some pretty good ones. You might imagine that the kind of people that being around the General Flynn's and Admiral Kubik's and the kind of people you meet speaking at those events might be rather helpful. Facial recognition and some of these wonderful programs suddenly can become not so difficult to attain. Interestingly enough, with my work, the work of Condemned USA, one man fighting, you know, some near two years later, were what proved that the DHS HSI unit run by was had confidential human sources off the books in the crowd. We proved that the Metropolitan Police Department had over 30 people from a special narcotics task force working undercover. Not only that, but they were, in fact, as I've said before, urging people forward. We proved that the FBI didn't turn over all of their information as a to defense counsel. I could literally build a, a life-size doll, a paper mache, of Judge Kelly with the amount of Brady violations from that case. It's that bad. But Judge Kelly, in no way, shape, or form, would look at his own impropriety or address any of the government's impropriety and force that trial forward full steam ahead because they needed that second conviction on seditious conspiracy to go after who? Donald Trump. Because the Proud Boys were linked to Donald Trump. This is how they needed it to go. Reminds me of that old movie, Cool Hand Luke, right? Because that's the way he wants it. At any rate, I hope that gave you a smile. I can't see all of you, but I want you to understand these cases are so bad that they know that if they allow a change of venue and they allow these cases out of Federal District 1, out of D.C., that those conviction rates will change drastically. Their charging rates would change drastically. The idea that they get to operate with the Crestman Six and some of these abhorrent failures of justice that Judge Beryl Howe, the Chief Justice in D.C., brought us would no longer be. And all of a sudden, their tyranny would show. This is a reality. 
you're no longer hurtling toward or headed down the track or on the path to communism or socialism or tyranny or some communist socialist ideological split. You're already there. You're living in a third world country under the guise of still being the greatest nation on earth. We might be the most spirited people and hold near and dear to our heart, our constitution and our constitutional republic. We may be all of those things, but this is no longer a nation like the one you grew up in. They were already here. They were seeding their interest 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago here. When they figured out they were going to lose World War II, they knew where to go. And entities around the world protected many of those people. And the communists and the joint efforts to destabilize the West, to destroy this nation. We've made a lot of enemies. A lot of people don't like us as a nation. They've worked together to get us to the place where we are now because the fall of the United States serves their interest, but it also serves another group of interest. It serves the interest of the globalist, the open borders folks, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, you useless eaters. I'm sure you're aware of the work of a gentleman named Harari by now. If you're in that meeting, you should know. And if you don't, the first 200 plus pages of his book are brilliantly written. I read them in prison and I thought that they were fantastic. The guy gives a fantastic synopsis of history of man and technology and the commingling of the effort. However, it's the next place that he heads. It's the next part of the equation. It's the next 66 pages that should make you live in fear for what they have in store for you and what they think is the correct path. They're going to be the new deities. And you will be forever happy, loaded full of drugs, hooked to monitors, creating energy in a supercomputer. It's disgusting and disturbing, and you should take a look. At any rate, I want you to understand, I'm going to run back down some of the different reasons why the January 6th event and its cases are just horrific. So Stephen D'Antuono, does anybody remember that name? Field director, right? Stephen D'Antuono, Gretchen Whitmer, kidnapping, sound familiar? He was the field director, the FBI field director for the agency. It was running the Gretchen Whitmer nonsense with 12 agents and five participants, right? They actually talked these guys into a total entrapment scheme. Stephen D'Antuono, just weeks before the January 6th event, became the field director for Washington Field Office. Interesting. Guess where else Stephen D'Antuono, well, he wasn't a field director but he was an analyst, a financial analyst in New York. You'll never guess when, during 9-11. What a wild coincidence, huh? Not only that, don't forget him, but the coroner, right? The coroner that told you who, how George Floyd died. Same coroner for 
none other than Roseanne Boylan that said it was a drug overdose. So when it's not a when it's a, when it's an actual drug overdose of George Floyd, he gets it wrong, and it's not a drug overdose; it's death by cop. And when it is not a drug overdose and it's a beating by cop, he gets it wrong again. Sounds like time for a new line of work. At any rate. The amount of investigative work that was done by the FBI was not run as a field off independent agency as it's supposed to do. It was run by biased leadership, as whistleblowers have come and told you. They based their investigation on lies. They did not have the correct information from Capitol Police and were not permitted to have certain camera angles and information. There was the November whistleblower report from the House Judiciary Committee that showed that. There was plenty of cover-ups from the Fed, Brady, more Brady violations. They tied in and used parallel construction through Five Eyes, which if you don't know what that is, the five English-speaking nations, New Zealand, Canada, Australia, Sweden, United States, Britain, and they have a compact. They used... Surveillance methods on American citizens because New Zealand and Canada deemed the Proud Boys a terrorist organization, therefore giving them the ability to allow those individuals in other countries and intelligence communities to surveil the Proud Boys, to which they illegally and unlawfully stitched together a nightmarish weave and web of different comments from different social medias to make it look as though it was a congruent conversation to a jury which, in fact, nothing could have been further from the truth. In that same case, Agent Nicole Miller went on the stand and swore before, you know, before, or before that judge and that jury and the nation that in that case, she had delivered her information, 28 lines of communication to the DOJ. Get that again. 28 lines of communication to the DOJ in a the Excel spreadsheet, to which is, you know, obviously the defense counsel is entitled to that information. Interestingly enough, one of the paralegals on one of the teams noticed that that file size was much too low for 28 lines of communication and was stumped. Well, she started playing with it and ended up clicking on unfiltered, having a being a young college grad. And it turns out that we got 13,955 lines of communication. Some of those lines of communication said things such as, well, if we could somehow get people to believe that there was a conspiracy, how could we put this together in a way? That's the content of the communication. And then they laughed and they made plans for a beer and then they made other plans and so on and so forth. And this is the content of those communications. And then Judge Kelly sealed the record and said, oh, it's national security. Excuse me? You mean we're looking at the evidence that exonerates these guys and shows that the DOJ, i.e. the FBI, worked to create and construct a narrative to get someone to believe something, not to bring truth to the court. And they sealed the record. And then they never answered our motions. Take a look at the motions that were written by Roger Roots, asking, we wanted specific, how many federal agents were involved in this case? How many federal agents were surveilling these guys? How many federal agents? And Judge Kelly said, well, you know, we don't know. We'll, we'll deal with that later. 
And we never went back to it, and he wouldn't hear our argument on it. This is your United States today. The DHS did the same thing. That's Department of Homeland Security. It's the most uh, plump or robust of our new three-letter agencies with the greatest level of funding. You would think with the greatest level of funding, we could control our borders. But we're too busy chasing around Grandma that walked around hugging police and getting selfies with them inside the building on January 6th. The DOJ admitted and has been accused of in some cases and again caught in predatory behavior. They have had consistent last-minute reveals of evidence even during the middle of trials over and over again on January 6th cases. So let me paint this picture. You have eight months or a year and a half or whatever it is you're preparing for your trial with your attorney, and then they release new video footage to you five days into your trial. You've had prepared a whole strategy, how you're going to go to your trial, how you're going to defend yourself, and now everything's upside down. We took the, your trial and shook it like a snow globe and reorganized everything. They've done this in over 100 January 6 cases. The DOJ has offered retaliatory charges for those that refuse plea deals. For instance, they have your case for 13 months, and, it's, and they say, here's your plea deal offer, and you say, no, no thanks, I want to go to trial. Then they hit you with a superseding indictment and dump a couple more charges, usually a felony and another misdemeanor on, somehow, some way. They dream up something. They've treated January 6th defendants differently than any January or any other protest in history. You had Michael Sherwin came out and did a 60 minute interview and he promised you shock and awe. Do you remember that? This guy comes along and says shock and awe. We're going to show him we can arrest and visit as many people as in the unthinkable amount of people before the January 20th inauguration. That's predatory behavior. Merrick Garland made statements that tainted these investigations in the minds of the people because you've also tainted the jury pool. We have written and filed cases to have the federal judges in D.C. disqualified to the appellate court. We've not answered a single word yet from them. This was filed at the beginning of the year, and I'm still wondering where the answer is because we gave them the proper content. You saw recently that President Trump's lawyers filed a motion to have Tanya Chuck can either recuse herself or be disqualified. It's a copycat motion of my motion from the beginning of the year. In court, the judges have taken judicial notice of everything that the 117th Congress delivered to include the videos, the statements, officer statements, etc., etc., Yet the 118th Congress has come out and proven that many of those statements were indeed false. Video evidence has shown that many of those officers delivered false testimony before Congress. But yet no one's been charged with a crime. I don't remember any of that happening. I don't see anyone being charged <laughs> with any of these matters. But these things happen. And the video evidence exists to show that the congressional testimony they gave was a lie. This should be making you very scared by now. In addition to that, now this isn't my words, I urge you to go on my site, 
I want you, we have it side by side, the video evidence, and then the actual testimony. Michael Fanone's video evidence and his testimony clearly show him to be a liar. He lied in congressional testimony, but yet they haven't found him in contempt. They haven't hit him with any of these other applicable charges that could be applied. Perjury is a major crime. These things happened, and yet no one's doing anything about it. You're so you think, because you can't hear about it. You don't hear about what we do. Because the motions we file and the cases and the victories that we're winning, you're not make, it's not making it to the ears of most people because we can't get out from behind the media veil. There's an iron curtain these days in the United States. We used to think of it as the USSR, or the old Russia. But the iron curtain is now the media. And the belligerent occupants and the false federal government of the United States of America that no longer represents its citizens and no longer stands representative of the land of the free and the home of the brave. You are the new brave. Currently, you're somewhat free. Preservation of that depends on the choices you make moving forward in your life. Preservation of your children's freedoms. I don't know about you, but I'm sure as hell not going to have to look at my kids or my grandkids and explain to them what freedom was like. I believe that this fight can be won without a shot fired, without a rifle drawn. And I know that's probably a far cry for many. But constitutionally, your sheriffs have fantastic authority. They can stand up and tell the FBI, get out of my county. They can stand up and tell in the Constitutional Republic, in the compact or the agreement that you made, you didn't do your state did not cede power to the federal government. It granted not authority over it, but powers to the federal government. Your state holds more power than the federal government, and they would like you to forget that. That's why they lie about it. That's why they teach it wrong in the school now, why we don't have the civics courses we used to have. They now teach it other ways. And we hear the word democracy, 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 because they would like mob rule. I don't think that we're going to go for that. What I suggest is until all of us that live and wish to die free are willing to stand and say no, you don't have to be an insurrectionist, you don't have to fire a shot, you don't have to become a revolutionary, you have to be willing to say no. You have to be willing to stand peacefully and say no, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to tell you no until this tyranny stops. There's a plan for that. A plan for a peaceful demonstration, the ultimate peaceful demonstration to tell them no. I don't know if you're, you know, for those of you that are Christians, I believe that if 10 million people with Bibles showed up, you could pray these people out of existence for all I, for in some rights, I believe. 
But the reality in the courts and in the Congress, we're fighting. We are winning. We're not winning everything. And I'm not taking victory laps saying it's all over and hurrah, hurrah, but we're winning battles. We're taking back ground we have long since ceded because nobody was willing to put themselves in personal peril. And I started down that path, and now many have joined me. Attorneys, have multiple attorneys in California, have them damn near every state in this nation. And they're working. And they were working against COVID, the violations, vaccines, human rights violations, etc. They're now working on this. None of it's for free. Everybody has to eat. Everybody has to make a living. I urge you to please consider becoming a monthly sponsor of Condemned USA. If all you can do is $17.76 a month, we'll damn well appreciate it. If all you can offer is prayers and support, we'll damn well appreciate that too. But if you want to get something done and you don't want to just plan for doomsday and having to solve the problem some other way, then I suggest you get involved in the only fight we have left. We're not fighting all these cases in just D.C. There are things being filed around the country. We are going to win more. There's a new filing that's going on with Larry Clayman and J.D. Rivera and North Florida that just came out. It's another one of the brilliant fights. And that one's not ours. We didn't even create that one, but it's representative of the fact that people are fighting. J.D. Rivera just happens to be one of the gentlemen I've done one of the documentaries with. So for those of you that brought pencil and paper or have your phones with you, which is the more likely, I know there's at least one woman there with pencil and paper. No offense. I hope I didn't misgender anybody. Anybody. But, <laughs> but I must say this. I ask you to pull out your phone and go to condemnedusa.com. I just want you to look at the site, know where it is, not leave here, and not have that thing. But let me tell you, why aren't your neighbors there? Why is there only X amount? It doesn't matter if there's 25 or 200. I always wonder. When you're going to have people come and, and come and share and come and tell these truths, why are we so lacking in having more people show up? And I hear people say a couple of reasons. The one that I hear that always bothers me the most is that, well, I don't want to end up on a watch list. Or I don't want to donate to something. I don't want to, I'm, af I'm afraid of this. Or my husband said no. Or my wife said no. Because of, you know, we don't want to end up on some federal list. You don't think you're already on a list? You don't think they're already watching and monitoring you? You must be kidding me. You didn't vote for Joe Biden. Well, except for that FBI agent there that's shoveling the coal on the train to Auschwitz. Communists. Anyway, so moving on. You know, I, I get frustrated with the facts and the ideas that people come to me and they say, you know, well, I've got so much to do. I've got we, we're going, we've got Johnny's game on Tuesday. Susie has a recital on Thursday. We're going Applebee's on Friday for Nana's birthday. Sunday's the church for social. Um, you know, we're just busy. We're so busy. I just can't. I, I can't. I can't get to that event or can't get out there. You know, money's money's tight. What the hell do you think it's going to be when they take the next steps? They've already shown you 
the playbook and they're already telling you the next variant is much worse. You've got to get your eighth vaccine. Guess what? I've never had a vaccine for this crap. I've been sick with it. And you all know people that way. And I've stood in crowds of thousands and thousands and thousands regularly speaking around the country. And once in a while, I get the sniffles. And you know what? Do you not remember a time when you were sick at work or you were sick and your boss used to tell you, you come in here, we'll send you home. And that was the attitude. That's how it worked. If you were too sick, you'd go to school. And if you had a fever later, they'd send you home. Now it's if you were near someone in the last month that may have traveled outside of the country or may have been sick or may have been near someone else that's sick, you stay home. Where have we gone? We have lost all sense and sensibility. The inmates are running the asylum. I ask you to look at that site and I ask you to look at the work we're doing. We're not here to squander your money. I'm not here because I need your money. I have my own business that supports my family. I've done this volunteer the entire time. I do not get paid from Condemned USA. I've never drawn one dollar of a salary. It does not fund lavish vacations and we take 40% of the money or some nonsense like that. And we don't pay 800 bucks an hour for our attorneys. We have two salaried people. One of them makes $500 a week. The other one makes 750 And neither one of them are my family member or friend. One of them is a J6er himself that was a journalist. He does all of our writing and content. And the other one was passionately working doing this until I found out she was about to lose her place to live because she was working for us for free for so long and had gone through her savings and run up her credit cards. I just thought she was just a great volunteer and she just couldn't stop doing it. But I didn't know it created a financial crisis in her life. So we created a position and she does all of our media and our videos. For those of you with Rumble channels, find our Condemned USA site there. We have 200 plus videos there. Logan and I have a great new documentary coming out. Uh, it's a seven part series. I'm very fortunate to Laura was uh, put my ugly old butt in there seven, uh, six, seven times. So um, at any rate, I want to share with you that the truth of the matter is everything I just told you. So I'd like to leave it here. And I thank you so much for listening, taking the time to become educated and hope if there's anyone still left there, <laughs> I'll take a question or two. Thank you very much, Trennis. We really, really appreciate you coming and talking to us. And uh, I can just say, I believe you, sir. Um, what I'd like to do is open up the mics for questions, but I'd like to keep the questions very, very short so that Trennis can answer fully. And because... Uh, I want to get Trennis on the record, not so much us expounding on things, okay? So let's try to keep the questions very short. If you have a question and you want to be on camera, come to this microphone that I'm at. If you don't want to be on camera, go to that microphone. And uh, let's line up and, and uh, open it up for questions right now. Make sure it's a core of 
question unless it's a statement. Yeah, let's let's keep it to questions. No statements, please. What is the name of the book you said you read the first two hundred pages? And uh, it's it's uh, Homo it's Homo Dead. Repeat. Homo Dead. D e u s h o m o d e u s Yuval Noah Harari. Right. Okay, uh, so I have a question, Trennis. Um, are you, uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably are fully aware of this, but I'm wondering if you could speak to it, how the government is using, quote unquote, emergency powers to circumvent the protections of the Constitution. So, yeah, so emergency powers, so you have... Emergency Power Act. It was formed around uh, the Great Depression, and it was designed uh, that it would it would actually remove or usurp the sovereignty of the state and give the ultimate control of the federal government. Um, it was for wartime, natural disaster declaration. Uh, we were, you know, in a Great Depression, and we were looking for ways out. We had threats of looming war, and that's where the Emergency Powers Act comes from. Um, the use of that is now the abhorrent failure and misuse by this government to control you. The control efforts are very effective. You just witnessed lockdowns, and I'm telling you there's more on the way. You aren't surprised by the idea that they're going to utilize this method again. You're probably all nodding your heads. Yes. They're going to shut your businesses, shut your companies. And many people don't think we're going to have a 24 election. They've suspended elections already in the Ukraine, that great democracy we're fighting for over there. This should make you horrifically afraid. These three-letter agencies become very empowered, even more so now well outside the design of our constitution of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those go out the window. You only experienced a fraction. 2019 was a test run, folks. Now they don't. And there's still people walking around in your map. Yep. Well, you know what? If you, I look, and here's where I'm at. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. Fine by me. But don't look over here because I will tell you how I handled that. When I was walking around and people at a Home Depot started screaming at me about not wearing a mask. And some Karen was yelling at her great big son. And I heard, Joseph, come over here. Each guy's not wearing a mask. And it was kind of like that Seinfeld episode where he wouldn't wear the ribbon, you know. And... Uh, I just quickly answered. I said, because I concealed Carrie and I'm already having a bad day. Can you please get the hell away from me? <laughs> and it's illegal to carry when you're wearing a mask. It, Trennis, if I'm not mistaken, it's also illegal to enter a bank wearing a mask, or at least it was, correct? Well, the problem is, we ha it is, yes. So the problem is, is federal buildings as well it used to be. Um, the problem would be this, is that 
we've allowed in our system of government, we have a little bit of a failure where we gave this, you know, control. And it was kind of autonomous in who determines that we're in an emergency. I mean, an emergency would be, in my mind, there's invaders at the border. Arm yourselves and get to the southern border because we're being invaded. That's the kind of emergency powers act in usage that I would see to be correct. Um, I guess lucky for the illegals, the criminals that are being emptied from jails in South America and around the world and being sent here. So lucky for them, I'm not in charge. Hey, Trina, hi, this is Ash. I'm a Kiwi patriot from New Zealand. Sorry about the dumb communist ex-prime minister over there, Jacinta. But um, yeah, great, great um, information, man. Thank you. Um, before I get into my question, I've got to give you a website. Um, go to, have you got a pen and paper handy? Come on. Yeah, um, theendofcovid.com. So theendofcovid.com because whether you know that all that stuff or not, COVID-19, people got to know the truth about it and it's all bullshit, 100% provable hoax. Whether you know it or not, well, I, know, I don't know. I'm happy with COVID that we didn't have any more flu. COVID eradicated the flu. Yeah, ex- exactly. So there's, there's that one and also questioningcovid.com. Questioningcovid.com. But my question yeah. is, so check those out yeah. if, if you don't know that knowledge. It's important to know because it's all related. But I just want a bit of a gen- general question, uh, a bit generic. But um, I had a buddy the other day who was saying that, you know, it's it's – what what they've done is um, they've kind of gone from okay, what's once was what's right and wrong. You start off right and wrong, your constitution, all that kind of more black and white. Now they've kind of changed it to sort of what's good and bad, which is sort of more easy, manipulable, Objective. more of a gray area. So, can, what what are your thoughts on that? People then you know these evil swipes he's, he's changed it from you know now it's like good and bad, and they're inverting all that. What do you, what do you, just what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's it's clear. Like, let me, okay, let me help you with this. Okay, so, for instance, all of the January 6th cases, there's something called precluding, right? So you can preclude an argument. A judge could say, like, um, you can't use self-defense in this case because you went to this person's house and you shot him, right? You said you were going to kill him. You said it online. You said it for weeks on end. And then you went into their home and shot them. So they would preclude a self-defense argument because you can't then say, well, I was in the house. He then pulled a gun on me. Yeah, well, there's not, we're not going to waste our time on that because you had broke into his house. He pulled a gun on you and then you shot him. You went there with the intention to shoot him. You told him you were going to shoot him before you got there. So we're going to preclude the argument for self-defense. And both counsels, you know, defense and uh, both the defense counsel and the, and the AUSA or prosecution side would agree to that. In, in some cases. In other cases, they might fight for it. In the January 6th cases, they precluded this. The First Amendment. The First Amendment arguments have been precluded. So the constitutional argument of <laughs> the, the no law respecting establishment of religion, prohibiting free exercise, and abridging any, any speech, uh, uh, people's assembly rights, uh, petitioning the government for a redress of grievance. Nope, none of that applies. You can't argue that. They've also suspended 
entrapment. I think most of us know what entrapment is. But furthermore, they've spent because entrapment's rather clear. You know, you're the government. You try and pull this Gretchen Whitmer nonsense on me and talk me into doing something I didn't really want to do. And then you go, ha, we got you. That would be entrapment. But what's interesting is they've, in, they've also precluded one called estoppel. Estoppel is a little bit different. Estoppel means that, like, if you're the police that are in charge of granting access, like the Capitol Police to a building, and you don't try and talk someone to coming in, but as they're coming in, you take a selfie with them and shake their hand, that that, that argument doesn't fly either. Wow. So essentially, there's no way in any shape or form that you could have entered the Capitol on January 6th and it could be okay. Even if the police specifically put their hand on your back and said, go in, go out. Now that happened to Stacey Hager. Watch, go and look at the videos on our site, on our Rumble channel. It's disgusting. An officer at the entryway puts his arm on his back and says, go in, go out. You know, kind of like, okay, you're here to protest. We get it. Do your thing. Go in, go out. And he can't have an estoppel argument. I heard that too. They're like, they were freaking tour guides, weren't they? Come on in, boys. Well, they pulled down some of the, they opened the fences after it had been an hour long discussion about coming in. Back and forth with the police, and they're calling and asking their superiors, can they come up to the steps? They just want to protest. They're asking to come up. They're sitting here. Bill Dunphy was on a megaphone telling them, hey, they're, they're going to go talk to their superiors, see if we can just go to the steps. And yet, then they then the police start opening the gate, and those people are all being charged with knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds. Trennis, thank you so much for all your information. I do have a question. You had said that the only way out that we can win this is up to us, quote unquote us. How many of us do you think we need? Because I hear that a lot, that it's up to the American people. But my hope in the American people is fading fast because a lot of them are very brainwashed and have no, like you said, they're busy. Their kids have the event at school. They're too tired. They don't have enough money, etc. How many of us do we need in terms of maybe percentages? Well, not that I'm suggesting revolution. Don't, don't, I don't want this to be uh, waters to be muddied here. But 3% of the nation, as many of you know, are all that fought in the Revolutionary War. And I'm not suggesting that we have to have a war. I'm suggesting if 3% of our patriot nation would get involved and get behind, if he, even if it's not my group. Maybe you don't like the way I look. Maybe you want to pick a different group. There's groups out there working on this. But I would look for one that are doing things more than just holding a shield and doing defense. I'm swinging a sword, and when I say that, I say it figuratively. The figurative sword that we swing is that we're taking legal action and coming after the government. We're working with members of Congress. I urge you to go online and look at, download my weaponization of justice document. You'll see all of the efforts that we've done. We are working to impeach the federal district judge, Beryl Howe. Chip Roy, the representative here, who is, I'm not his biggest fan, but I got Chip Roy to com commit in a public forum the other day in front of hundreds of constituents, and Chip knows me very well. When he sees me coming, they usually send the aides over, hey, Trinitz, how you doing? Try and butter me up. But um, 
anyway, Chip committed to carrying forth my articles of impeachment. The problem you, we have is one of your representatives, uh, ISA, I believe it is, in California, needs to get a hell of a lot of phone calls to his office demanding that someone do something about this January 6th event and impeach these judges. Because ISA and California and Buck in Colorado are the two people on our side that are the biggest problem on the House Judiciary Committee. And on that, let me give you a, an idea of why it's so important. So the phone calls, if you don't have, if you can't donate, at least call those damn congressmen. Blow their phone up or call, call after call. I mean, I'm not saying you personally, but it should be individual after individual. Be respectful. Be nice, but tell them what you damn well mean. You have that authority to contact your congressman, contact their state office, contact their D.C. office, and let them know what you as a constituent want. That you're tired of this softball nonsense. You're tired of strongly worded letters. You want some action. And they're going to tell you, well, we won't have the votes to impeach a federal judge. Well... They don't know, and they probably don't, but let me put it to you in these terms. That judge would then be brought before committee and have their record brought out and drug out in front of the world for the world to see. More people would become very aware of the destitute, the desperate, and the disparaging treatment of the January 6th defendants. At any rate, this morally bankrupt country... The House Judiciary Committee was formed in 1813 with the express purpose of reining in corrupt judges and holding them accountable because those are lifetime appointments for Title III judges. So the only way we remove them is with proof of impropriety. We have the proof of impropriety and it needs to be displayed to the people. The House Judiciary Committee could remove these judges that are operating this way. Even if they don't, the exposure of it would create more of a public outcry. And Chip Roy knows that. And so do many of the others. But that would be my suggestion. You keep waking up people that you can wake up. You come back to this group meeting, the next meeting, and you make it a commitment. Every one of you there brings one with you. You're responsible for one guest. And you overachievers do more. Trennis, um, I was wondering if you could expand upon the weaponization of the judicial system. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, James O'Keefe, formerly of Project Veritas, is now having the judicial system, system weaponized against him. So Project Veritas is now suing James O'Keefe, who created Project Veritas. <laughs> And they're going to try to bury him under a mountain of paperwork the same way they're doing to, I'm sure, a lot of the January 6th uh, defendants and also yep. Ammon Bundy. So could you speak to that a little bit? Wow. Um, okay. So most of what I talked about was the Weaponization of Justice Department or DOJ. I think you have to look no further than Congressman Sparks just a couple of days ago. S-P-A-R-T-V. And uh, Congressman Sparks was uh, addressing Merrick Garland very passionately and very professionally. 
and she mentioned his arrival, you know, his grandparents' arrival from Belarus and being an immigrant, and she's what is, you know, from what is formerly the Ukraine, and discussing exactly, uh, or what, I'm sorry, what is now Ukraine, sorry, formerly Russia, or, and she is discussing this very passionately. I think it's, it's a tip of the hat, and it's about as good as you get outside of some of the firebrands that will say something but not really take much action. But the weaponization of the Justice Department, the Department of Justice, they're talking about civil litigation of suing him. Um, in the civil litigation side, there's another great case that's going on right now that's much worse than James O'Keefe. And that's the case against Joey Lynn and a pastor named Steve Stay and their family for the Biden bus event that happened here in Texas where they claimed that it was voter intimidation under the old KKK voter intimidation law. And it's not being and it's not going well for the DNC who spent millions of dollars to try and push this case in Texas. The Biden bus was coming through in New Braunfels, Texas. And the Trump train people that drive around with all the big trucks and fly the flag here, which is my Trump train. I live live here in this area. And that case is a weaponization case, and it's in a civil litigation form. Thankfully, the Fifth Circuit already told them no. But it's not over yet. They're now appealing to Merrick Garland and trying to get them to bring the case and have it filed in D.C., because once again, somebody from the left doesn't like what mom said, so they want to go ask what dad has to say about it. They're nothing more than small children whining at their woke table, asking one parent not getting their way and demanding it from another. But if that helps, um, the weaponization side of the civil litigation has long been a problem. But you had people in California... Um, that actually brought down under RICO, a friend of mine, a woman that's become a friend of mine, uh, had brought down under RICO some Sacramento judges with the prison system situation some years ago. That's a fantastic story there. We could talk about it another time. She'd be actually a great speaker for you guys. Okay, so, uh, Trennis, we have a question uh, and a comment from one of our members, John Kasserup. Hi, John. Sure. Nice to meet you, John. Uh, By the way, that woman's name is Sheila Holm, and I'll give you that number, Ed. Okay. May I continue? Yes, please. Oh, great. Um, I'm 75 years old. I'm retired United States Army. Thank you for your service. I've been looking for the New World Order since I was... A little boy during Sputnik time. When I was in Vietnam, I found out that we were the New World Order. My commander was John Abrams, General Abrams' son, who was the theater commander. Since that time, I have been pursuing remedy uh, against this corporate government. And the problem you're having is, I'm going to I'm going to read um, about four corporate. I mean, um, Supreme Court and appellate cases that have maybe a one-sentence or two-sentence explanation. And I think it will point you in the right direction to give you a lot more power after going after these people. In other words, how can they change the rules on you and ignore evidence according to the rules? They're able to do that, and these Supreme Court cases tell you why. So the first one I'm going to read 
is State v. Manual. The term citizen. Say that again, please. I'm writing this down. I want to keep up. State versus Manual. M A N U E L. 20 N C 122. The term citizen in the United States means United States citizen or legal fiction is analogous to the term subject in common law. The change of phrase has resulted from the change in government. That change they're talking about was the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. There's a Supreme Court case, Jones v. Temer, T-E-M-M-E-R, 89 F-S-U-P-P, 1226. The Privileges and Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment protects very few rights because it neither incorporates the Bill of Rights nor protects all rights of individual citizens. Instead, this provision protects only those rights peculiar to being a citizen of the federal government. It does not protect those which relate to state citizenship. Next case is Supreme Court U.S. v. Valentine. 288 F period SUPP period 957 The only absolute and unqualified right of the United States citizen is to residence within the territorial boundaries of the United States. Um, there's another case, uh, I'm not going to get all of these things, but a court case, it, I think it's uh, Cross v. Board of Supervisors, also related to citing uh, U.S. versus Cruikshank. And, and following. The courts presume you to be a federal citizen without even telling you that there are different classes of citizens. It is up to you to dispute this. Use your passport and the actual birth certificate. And I think there's one more here I want to read for you. This one is uh, Wheeling Steel Corporation versus Fox. Therefore, the U.S. citizen residing in one of the states of the Union are classified as property and franchises of the federal government as an individual entity. The first eight amendments have uniformly been held not to be protected from state action by the Privileges and Immunities Clause. And that is Haig v. CIO 307 U.S. 496520. I have more cases that point to the problem, and the problem is is that they've imposed a situation called serfdom. They've made everybody who claims to be a U.S. citizen and a resident a federal serf, and they can do with you what they want. They can lie to you, cheat you, tell you to do whatever. You must change your status, and you can do it very freely. Um, the rules are pretty complex, but the solution is actually simple. We've been doing this for more than 12 years. We've not had any blowback by anybody. But it gives you back your constitutional protections. Because under the 14th Amendment, as a citizen and resident of the United States, you only have privileges and immunities granted by the government, and they can take them away at will, which is why you're getting trampled. Once you change your status, you now have your constitutional protections and the first eight amendments do you can use as to protect you from your government. We're doing it all, every day, all day. We do classes on how to do this. It actually works. So you might want to look into this and start getting uh, ramped up to go after these guys. We need to go after them hard.
That's all. Is this a sovereignty related? So this is the difference, Trennis, between being a citizen with civil rights and a national with constitutional protections. Yeah, state national, right. Yeah. Yeah. There is no such okay. thing as a sovereign citizen. Right. How can you be a citizen and a sovereign? It's you can't. A, it's a made-up term. It's a made-up term that they use to try to demonize people. But the State Department honors this. We have people doing this every single day, changing their status, because that gets you out of being vaxxed. That gets you out of CPS being able to come and take your children away. You actually have constitutional protections, and they do honor it once you prove it. Yeah, that. I know there's growing numbers for that. Well, we've got the answer, and I'm, I'm, we're on the radio six days a week uh, teaching this, and I do personal classes. So uh, we're here to help everybody get armed up and start taking back their rights and their true status. Yeah, we'll send you all that information, Trennis. And now we have of another course. question from Ira. Hi, Trennis. Um, so you brought up early mandates you know, versus laws, and there's a local gym I go to, actually it's National 24-Hour Fitness, and a couple of years ago they had the video, um, you know, audio rolling on a tape every like five, ten minutes. Face masks are required by law. And I used to go, no, they're not, you know, and people would look at me. So your opinion of mandates versus laws? That's the question. Uh, mandate are exactly that. I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's a forced set of rules. And they're enforced by an authority. I mean, laws are have legal action supporting them that are legislated. Mandates don't have legislated authority behind them, which is the core crux or ideology of the Constitution. Right. Right. So we could ignore the, the mandates. Directive. Right. So we can ignore the mandates because they're not laws, and legislatures are the only ones that pass laws. No. Here's here's the problem. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't. You, you, yeah. yeah, legally, you can ignore a mandate because, like, for instance, the ATF issues this new thing about braces, right? And they say, that, oh, that's illegal. No, it's not illegal. When did the ATF start making laws? The ATF does not make law. They don't decide law. They don't adjudicate law. They don't determine the answers. They don't create our government. I mean, is that what's happening now? So that's a question that needs to be answered and solved and put where essentially um, this little demon needs to be put back in its box with this mandate idea. Agreed. In fact, I think the Supreme Court has a case in front of them now versus agencies versus legislature versus the Congress. You know, can an agency impose rules that have to be followed? Um, that's right in front of the Supreme Court now, I believe. Uh, I don't. I'm not familiar with that. I very aware where it could be, and it, it certainly should be. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. No, it's a great question. So, Trennis, uh, I I just wanted to repeat one more time uh, your website, and can you just give that to us once more? Yes, it's condemned. C o n d e m n e d u s a dot com. The idea is, is, you know, my mother was so disturbed. She said, I can't believe you created a website called Condemned USA. And I was like, why? I'm rep it represents the interest of all these people that have been condemned by the USA. <laughs> We've all been labeled as terrorists. And it's not just the January 6th defendant. It's also the school board mother or father that goes to speak yeah. out. 
It's the person that speaks out against vaccines or, you know, mandates, as we just spoke about. All of us have become the enemy of this state, not our state. Well, let me just say for the record, uh, Trennis, that I believe January 6th uh, was a coup government taking charge of the presidency and the executive branch of our government. I don't believe the January 6th defendants are guilty of anything. If anything, they're patriots. And I, um, for one, will stand with you. But uh, I just wanted to leave everybody with a quote from, I believe it was Admiral Yamamoto after they had attacked the United States. He said, I fear we have awoken a sleeping giant. Well, they also, the same admiral is the one that also said that the reason they wouldn't attack is because there would be a gun behind every blade of grass. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, Trennis, uh, thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're here to support you, brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me be a part remotely of your event. And I thank you for having me. Listen, there's a lot of Americans. I've missed four jail calls while we were on this call this evening. Um, most of them are probably from a defendant named Isaac Thomas. Um, I heard you. There's two very compelling stories. We have many defendants, two of them that are in the most need of help today. And that might change tomorrow. But one is Isaac Thomas, a 20-year-old man. The first time he ever left his state, he was 18 years old. And he went to Jan he went to January sixth to see his president speak. That's the first one. And the other one is Philip Anderson. Philip Anderson is the man that was famously next to Roseanne Boylan under the pile. And Philip Anderson desperately needs help with legal fees. Helping support his case. We're going to be filing some of our more interesting motions in Philip Anderson's case on change of venue. And it's very strong. However, his attorney, while he's cut him a heck of a deal and he's a vetted attorney through our organization, um, it's not free. But I'm telling you, for federal cases where you have six, eight counts, 11 counts in D.C., you know, we have to pay for housing for these people. We have to pay for travel. We have to pay for the person's travel. We have to pay for their housing. It's a lot. It's a big undertaking. So we ask that you please consider that and carrying this message out to your friends. And lastly, organizations like this where great messages are shared, as your, some of your folks shared messages with me this evening, organizations like this don't exist without people attending. So the best thing that you can do locally to get started until you figure out what you're doing, not you, sir, but the people that you already created this thing, but or those whoever that did, but those that are in attendance is again your challenge to bring another individual with you to the next meeting. Thank you, Trennis. We'll do everything we can to help you. Uh, want a couple more real quick comments? Hey, that'll be quick, Trennis. Uh, what was that other website? Was it stophate.com? Just for our records? Yeah, stophate.com. There's more video evidence there of January 6th than anywhere else. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll also give you the documentary bloodyhill.com. 
It's a documentary on January 6th made by myself, Wano Saving David Summerall. Well, we were in the documentary, I guess I should say. The true heroes that made it were Andrew Mullinax and another Daniel Goodwin, who's the J6 defendant as well. Every person there was either present on January 6th that worked on this documentary or a defendant. Cool, man. Thank you. Just one last comment and then we'll let you go. Yeah. All right, it's John again. I want you to understand that we create videos and we create audios, and they're designed to be given to the speakers so that they can use them to market their ideas. So you could cover a lot more territory if you start sending this recording out because it's you giving the whole rationale, rationalization and presentation, uh, and we can spread it by the hundreds if you do it that way. I love it. Thanks. That would be fantastic, and I look forward to having it so I can get that out. Yeah, so we'll send that to you uh, as soon as it's uh, done being edited. But once again, Trennis, thank you very much for coming and talking to us. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank all of you, and have a great night. God bless America. Great message. One of our, one of our better speakers. I thought, and in my head... I was intending to mention Roger Sales' show because that's, of right. course, what we teach on how to change your status. Mm -hmm. And I swore I, I thought that. I guess I, I didn't say it. I heard <laughs> well, what I said, but I didn't say it. Stuff happens when you're name. doing that. Huh? Every once in a while, you, know, you, you get going, you, you forget what you forget. I had a missionary last night at church that was supposed to have, tell me to play his video to show his uh, ministry, and he forgot to totally do it, too. <laughs> stuff oh. happens. Well, I was really disappointed. I, yeah. I, I told Raj and the team over there that I mentioned Roger's name in the show, and uh, and I didn't. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the reasons I got up there to talk. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, another well, reason sucks. to do it next time. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> oh man, I'll make sure I mention it to him. Uh, yeah, per, you know, especially. I don't know. Maybe I can even add uh, an add-on to the video or the audio. Yeah, you could probably. Yeah, I can do that. A little tag on the end. Right. That wouldn't be any problem. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm telling you, the speakers we're beginning to get again that we're coming up with are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, this dude went through the ringer, and I have heard of Bloody Hill, but I haven't had a chance. I've downloaded it, and I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, so I'm going to have to do that. Um, well, it's all on his website there. Yep, and I put, the, I put the link uh, for the website in the chat room for anybody. That, uh, I'm trying interested. to help my friends that are helping people in Lahaina. Uh, uh, Michelle, who used to come on here mm -hmm. uh, and talk, she and her husband, you know, he's a retired uh, Delta captain. Uh-huh. And uh, they, his run was so for ten years was Maui. Oh wow! And so they they used to spend a lot of time over there. They made a lot of friends, and were there when this fire broke out. Mm. And they were very lucky to get out. Wow! Um, it's just because they knew the area so well. And he knew how to get to the airport uh, because a lot of things were closed. Mm. To tell Michelle, tell you about it. It's quite something. Mm. Anyway, um, what they've done is they've created a GoFundMe. And oh. they're asking for donations uh, that they personally are doing. Now, they're paying all of their own costs. They don't have any transportation costs. Um, but they pay all their own costs over there. And they're asking for donations that they can help the people that they know in the community with things that the government's not covering. 
one of the examples they talk about is the guy lost all of his glasses. He couldn't see well. Mm. So they came up with some money so he could get another pair of glasses. Cool. Uh, they're donating things for kids. 100% of the money that they donate goes directly to the uh, individuals that... Uh, have you got an address the, for it? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm going to have to send it to you for... Uh, okay. To put it out there. Uh, they've already, I guess, got distributed about $8,000 worth of goods and stuff over there already. Hmm. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of water. Everybody's gotten that taken care of. But all these other little things where people, the people have lost everything. Yeah. I mean, absolutely everything. All those houses, they're just, you know, rubble, ash. Right. There's nothing left. Yeah. Anyway, since they've been in the community for, for a very long time, um, because they, that's even where they vacation. They, they like it so much over there. Mm -hmm. And they're just devastated at the way that people have been treated and just left. Yeah. It's so, amazing. anyway, I'd like to get that out. And I think that uh, if this guy, the Condemned USA donations, I think they're doing the work the, uh, that should be being done, but it's be having to be done privately. Mm -hmm. You know? The government's not stepping up. The government is the problem. Oh yeah, they're the problem. They're the attackers. They're not gonna. <laughs> they're not gonna help anybody. It's so just... if you're gonna donate, you know, I would I would donate here before you donate to the Red Cross or any of those oh, organizations yeah. or United no, Way or any of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, th these guys are really deserving of donations. Yeah, yeah. The and it doesn't matter. The grassroots. They're the ones that'll actually get the money where it needs to go. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if it's five bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, some somebody somebody can give five bucks every other month or something like that. I mean, just, just anything that will uh, help them um, actually get stuff actually to the people. Anyway, um, I, I hope you don't mind. We didn't go over all the no, that's okay testimonies. Yeah, that's not a problem. You know, I think this was well worth playing. Oh, a lot yeah. of good information. It's just another person that didn't do anything wrong and being run up the flagpole by a criminal government but and, look what he's done yeah. <laughs> you talk about being effective he's getting the word out it's he not is a bad looking website no i haven't spent any time over there yet but i'm certainly interested in looking at the videos and stuff that they have mm -hmm. yeah, there's another j6 coming out with uh, uh that reporter who was roughed up over there when she was in egypt What's her? Um, oh yeah, um, what's her name? It's on the website here. Where'd the where yeah. thing go? She's uh, she's got a J six uh, movie and stuff coming out that's going to be quite good. Uh, Emerald Robinson. No, it wasn't Emerald. Uh -huh. It was another gal. Oh, okay. Hmm. Again, I'm I'm uh, have too much sugar on the brain. Yeah, you get in information overload. That's for sure. No, I think it said. Uh, I used to have a, I used to be pretty sharp. I could recall almost everything that happened, and when I needed it, I needed it. Now I'll remember the name, but it won't be now. It'll be about five minutes or ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, better late than never. <laughs> That's true, but yep. nobody will be hearing it. Yep. We should be up against your. Uh, we are. Yeah, my little watch just buzzed. It, I don't know why it didn't ding. It, does it sometimes sometimes it doesn't weird but yeah we're out of time uh john i appreciate you being here and bringing that recording it was a good one and uh, we'll get back on the uh care stuff next week i'm sure but uh, everybody else we had a good crowd today appreciate everybody being here and sticking in and listening and all that 
But uh, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And uh, we will be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. And, John, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks so much. And have a great one. God bless. Bye-bye.